Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, and by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee, BirdsandBeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 683. That's a subtle audio clue about something that raises $38 million every year to acquire and protect wetland habitat and to purchase conservation easements for the National Wildlife Refuge System. With 98% of the purchase price going to those causes, it's the federal duck stamp and the new issue is now available for purchase. You can buy them at lots of places, including refuge offices, post offices, and refuge admissions booths, and online from the U.S. Postal Service at DuckStamp.com. That's pretty easy to remember, DuckStamp.com. More about the Duck Stamp uh, later in this morning's show. Well, our friend Scott Bauman, Talking Birds ambassador up in Wapon, Wisconsin, has racked up some more mileage by bike and on foot. And he says, hi, Ray, just a quick note on my Big B, Big Green, Big Year exploits. This past weekend, I broke the 1,000-mile barrier, 975 miles biking and 37 miles walking. My species total stands at 223. My Big B miles and totals will be slowing down a bit as I switch gears and start doing more breeding bird atlas work here in Wisconsin. It's just more efficient for me to atlas with the use of a vehicle. I can cover more areas in a shorter period of time than I can biking. This is our second go-round for atlas work here in Wisconsin, having completed the first round from 1995 to 2000. So we'll look forward to updates on that as well from our friend Scott up there in uh, Wisconsin. And that is the sound of our mystery bird. This would sound like the mystery bird contest, but it is not. It's just a preview of our contest coming along a little bit later in our show. But here are some clues so you'll be ready to phone in and try to identify this bird and win some of our terrific prizes. In fact, all of them. Uh, today's mystery bird is a small buff-colored songbird with a thin bill, a short tail that's often held upright, bold streaks on the back and narrow streaks on the crown. Our bird, which breeds in short grass and marshes from western Canada to places like the coast of Delaware, feeds mostly on insects and spiders. We have another beautiful Droll Yankees feeder and a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game in our mystery bird contest coming along in uh, just a little bit. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the things we have on our Facebook page this week. A pigeon outraces a digital signal in delivering a data package. We'll link you to the post from the Weird Facts folks. Our man Mike O'Connor experiences loon Armageddon while he discovers that the Connecticut lakes are actually in New Hampshire. And he reports on some fine bird sightings along with encounters with a moose and a snapping turtle. It's an installment of Mike's Ask the Bird Folks newspaper column and we'll connect you to it. And look, there it is. Issue 22 of our Talking Birds newsletter, The Trumpeter, complete with photos of 
handsome guys like today's guests, Wayne Peterson and Paul Basich, and recent guest, John Kreischer. And those are some of the things we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Oh, there's also a great photo of our friend and Talking Birds ambassador, Candy Powell, in Iceland. She's wearing a sharp-looking red baseball cap emblazoned with an equally sharp Talking Birds patch. Well, we're, we're grateful to be able to say thank you again this week in a kind of a big way because we have five new Talking Birds ambassadors uh, to whom to say thank you. They're spreading the word about our show at all kinds of places, and that includes a listener who wishes to remain anonymous for on-air purposes. We'll just call him Mr. S, and he's in Orange, Connecticut. Thank you very much, Mr. S. Thank you to Elijah Ferguson from Asheville, North Carolina. Elijah is especially a big fan of the Mystery Bird Contest, and we're hoping he might uh, call in on one of our contests. Thank you, Elijah. Thank you to Debbie Fargione from Millbrook, New York. She says she'll be happy to spread the news about the show, distribute materials in the Hudson Valley in New York. Thank you to Cecilia D. from St. Petersburg, Florida. She says she lives very close to Whedon Island Preserve, so the birds are right in her backyard. Thank you, Cecilia, and thank you, Tiffany Willow from Millerstown, Pennsylvania. She says, I live in a very small town of less than 800, and I love the fact that the birds outnumber the people. She says, I learn so much from your show. Well, thank you, Tiffany. And, of course, she learns so much because of the expert guests that we have, including two we'll announce and welcome here uh, very shortly. Don't forget to become a Talking Birds ambassador. It's pretty easy. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. It appears that one of those guests to which we alluded is right here in the studio with us uh, right now, and he's sitting right across from me, and we're more than happy to welcome him back to the show once again. Uh, Wayne Peterson is the director of the Mass Audubon Important Bird Areas Program. He's also an international tour leader and known far and wide as one of the great birding experts in America. Wayne, good morning. Welcome back. Thank you, Ray. It's always a pleasure to uh, join you. We're here talking today, uh, Wayne, about your position as the co-editor of the Birding Community E-Bulletin, along with Paul Basich, who we'll welcome on the phone here in just a little bit. This is such an amazing publication that you guys put out here every month. Give us a little background of it, if you wouldn't. Tell us about the Birding Community E-Bulletin. Well, it actually started when Paul and I were part of another project and it was a spin-off that took on a life of its own and it's been in place since the early 2000s about 2002 I believe and it started as a way to simply disseminate a variety of information that would be hopefully of interest to not just birders but people generally interested in birds including conservation information information about um, political issues that may affect birds, that kind of thing, as well as, uh, you know, some fancy facts having to do with birds. So from that early beginning, it has grown so that now that we have, uh, well, we have over 3,300 subscribers. The e-bulletin is often cited in one place or another in terms of some of the content and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we've been very pleased with, with the growth. And we'll find out more about it and also how to subscribe, which is pretty easy to do. Wayne Peterson with us here in studio and in just a little bit, we'll welcome Paul Basich as well. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our pre-4th of July Let's Ask Mike segment, focusing on our national symbol, the bald eagle, 
And another bird north of the border, which just got a new name, which is kind of interesting. Meanwhile, one of the many bird species our friend Candy Powell observed on her recent trip to Iceland will now serve as today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century. Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. If you were going to design a seabird, you might want its features to include desalinator glands to get rid of excess salt so that it could drink seawater. You might want to add webbed feet for fast swimming, kind of short and sturdy wings for diving underwater to feed, and waterproof feathers for buoyancy and extra insulation. And maybe you'd also want to add a touch of citrus scent. Yes, citrus scent a feature of many seabirds, including today's featured feathered friend, the northern fulmar. It's a bird whose body shape is similar to that of a gull, but more stocky, with a thicker and heavier neck and head. The Cornell Lab's Christoph Moning describes it as flying like a tank with stiff wing beats. And although it looks like a gull, the northern fulmar is actually one of the tube noses, along with albatrosses, petrels, and shearwaters, species believed to have a highly developed sense of smell, which they use to locate breeding areas and food, including from fishing boats, which they often follow. It's thought that those tubular nostrils may enhance this sense of smell, or might simply act to keep the salty solution produced by the nasal glands away from the face and eyes. The northern fulmar, Fulmaris glacialis, or glacialis, today's talking bird's featured feathered friend. <laughs> and thanks to our friend J.D. Bergeron from International Bird Rescue for telling us about that citrus scent thing. We didn't know that. Thanks again for being with us. It's our show number 680. Three, find us on TalkingBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Wayne Peterson is in the studio with us and now the co-editor of the uh, Birding Community e-bulletin along with Wayne, Paul Basich, joins us on the phone uh, from Maryland, I think. Good morning, Paul. Yes, good morning, Wayne, and good morning, Wayne. <laughs> Great. For, say hello, Wayne. He's... Good morning, Paul. You haven't talked to him in a long time, probably. <laughs> Days. <laughs> Days at least. The last time you were on the show with us, Paul, it was about uh, your co-authorship of that great book, Feeding Wild Birds in America, Culture, Commerce, and Conservation. And we're happy to welcome you back on this uh, different topic here about the Birding Community e-bullet. And Wayne gave us a little overview and a little background about the e-bulletin. I have the, I guess this is the draft version of the July issue, so this is the brand new uh, issue of the e-bulletin. And I thought we'd maybe just kind of run down the list of some of the, the headlines here and what is uh, behind them. And I think you usually start off with this topic, the rarity focus. Uh, and this time, instead of a species, you have a location, which is Alaska. And I know Alaska is rare because there's only one of them. But uh, <laughs> uh, why did you choose Alaska as the rarity focus, Wayne or Paul? Well, um, we 
we gave a particular species a nod a, uh, that would have normally appeared as our rarity focus. That would be a Mexican violet deer, a wonderful large greenish hummingbird um, that occurred in Texas at the in McAllen at the Quinta Mazatlan World Birding Center for about 10 days in June. But there were so many fantastic exotic rarities that appeared in Alaska uh, for the month that it, it just deserves special mention. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just Alaska in general, it was the exterior outposts, the ridges, the edges of Alaska where they're um, at, in, in June, many birders go, might go to Nome, where Wayne and I used to go pretty regularly, or the or St. Lawrence Island, um, or Barrow, or Adak Island, halfway or three quarters of the way out on the Aleutians, or the Pribilof Island, St. Paul in particular, and just kind of wait and hunker down for some um, Asiatic Siberian rarities that are blown over eastward mm-hmm. to uh, uh, to those parts of of uh, Alaska, and you know, wonderful birds like common green shank and common sandpiper and eyebrowed thrush and red flanked blue tail, you know, <laughs> appeared at uh, St. Paul in the Pribilofs mm-hmm. and on Adak, uh, common snipe and on Nome, a great knot and lesser sand plover mm-hmm. and common cougar. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, an amazing flurry of these birds, not in great numbers, mm-hmm. but but uh, uh, in these specific locations, all around the same few weeks, and you know these locations may be hundreds of miles from each other, mm-hmm. but something seriously was happening weather-wise and migration-wise. So the bird is lucky enough to be at those outposts, got to see at least a couple of them. It was very interesting. Well, Wayne is smiling here, so I think he re- recalls some of these uh, sightings that you're uh, referencing here. I think drooling may be the more appropriate uh, <laughs> description. Uh, it, it is an unbelievable list of vagrants and, and fancy mm. birds in those outposts. Well, Wayne, just yes, before... yeah. Go ahead, Paul. No, I just I remember Wayne and I seeing uh, red neck stint in in mm. Nome, which is mm. a, you know a, a number of them over a dozen at one time, which is a remarkable number. And I think we also had lesser sand plover, mm-hmm. uh, but at the time called uh, Mongolian plover. But you know it's it's uh, you got to be at the right place at the right time. <laughs> exactly. Well, Wayne, just before we went on the air, we started talking about the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, the 100th anniversary, and their second headline. On the e-bulletin this week is MBTA 100, an unhappy birthday? Yes, that's that's the case. Um, arguably, this is the most important single piece of, of bird conservation legislation in the country, virtually on the continent, and it's been in place, obviously, for 100 years. But sadly, um, in various ways, it's, it's coming under attack, and there are efforts to potentially weaken some of the, uh, the primary components of the act so that there's a lot of concern on the part of the conservation community. A number of organizations and agencies and things have been sort of raising up in arms and saying, look, this is, this is going to seriously you know, cripple what has been such a hugely important, almost one of the most internationally significant pieces of bird conservation legislation anywhere. We're talking with, about headlines from the Birding Community e-bulletin. We'll give some more details on how to subscribe in a couple of minutes here. The third headline here is Tip of the Month, Just Get a Stamp. And Paul, if I'm not mistaken, you're a recipient of the uh, 2014 Wetlands Conservation Achievement Award from Ducks Unlimited. So congratulations on that. And tell us a bit more about the duck stamp and why it's such a big deal. Well, the duck stamp has been around since uh, 19... 19- 34. Long time, and it was uh, initially used as a 
um, funding funding mechanism for hunters uh, to allow them to uh, hunt migratory waterfowl. But uh, we know that all the money, even back then, was going to uh, the refuge system. And, and the, uh, since the 70s, the purpose of the stamp has been expanded uh, to include, now, now to be called the Migratory Bird Hunting and Conservation Stamp. And, and uh, actually, 98% of the stamp um, goes to um, acquisitions and easements in the refuge system. That's a, this, this year, that'll probably be about $40 million, wow. uh, which goes to acquisitions and easements, which is considerable. And uh, the, each stamp costs 25 bucks, and it's good uh, for uh, from the beginning of July to the end of the next June. And uh, it's also good for entry um, at any wildlife refuge that charges so you don't have to be a hunter doesn't simply allow you to hunt them it, it allows you to um enter a refuge that charges for free so if you make it a park or river where wayne may be close to or or in my case in maryland um blackwater refuge I, we just pass by the collection station and wave our wave our um, migratory bird hunting and conservation stamp and do it just the other reason through. the other yep. reason we the other reason we put it in is because we fear that a lot less money this year or for the coming years is going to be spent uh, federally on land acquisition. Uh, they have an aversion to it, uh, the, this current administration. So this is one of the best ways to guarantee that the money uh, gets spent to land acquisition for the refuge system. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, well, Wayne, we were together at a little uh, gathering just this uh, past week. Uh, you spoke and I listened. And uh, it was a group from Birds Caribbean and a project, a new project very close to your heart and to the heart of all of us who knew your late wife, Betty, Betty Peterson, the Betty Peterson Project. I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about that. It's in the e-bulletin this month. Well, the Betty Peterson Conservation Fund essentially is a way to provide a pool, uh, increasingly, of funding that would be available um, through application processes by ornithologists, guides, residents, people working in the Caribbean Basin. Um, it's a nice tight unit in terms of sort of the, the neotropics, both in terms of lots of endemic bird species, but also an important destination for um, migratory birds, neotropical migrants that spend the winter in the Caribbean. So that, like so many areas in Latin America, unfortunately funding and, and materials and things are always difficult for many of the people working in those countries to obtain. So this is a fund that through application and worthy projects can provide going forward resources that will help them move those conservation agendas forward. And because there's a lot of different islands in the Caribbean, each of which has or many of which have their own administrations and so forth, it's really quite a complex place, but it's not as big as Latin America from the Rio Grande Valley all the way to Tierra del Fuego. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this, under Lisa Sorensen's aegis and her direction as the director of that program and, and a well-established entity, will be able to move the Betty Peterson Conservation Fund forward in the future as a, as a source of um, financial support for researchers. And the Birding Community eBulletin is a good place to find out more about that. As we said, we'll give the uh, access or how to, how to get into the eBulletin here in just a second. Uh, we've only gone through fewer than half the topics in the July uh, issue. There's more about more threats to birds as uh, described by BirdLife International. Uh, book notes uh, about a wonderful new book by Rob Beauregard about an osprey. 
Uh, it's called Bell's Journey. We're going to be talking to Rob about that, too, on an upcoming show, and uh, lots of others. But uh, I think, Wayne, you were describing maybe the best way, and Paul, as well, to find the e-bulletin. Just do a search or uh, just Google Birding Community e-bulletin. You can find information on there. And uh, also, uh, we'll put this on our Facebook page with a link to the uh, e-bulletin. Yeah, I think either of those those ways are good. And, and as noted, um, we have an archive for all the past e-bulletins that we've we've done on the Refuge Association's website. So there's, there's uh, clearly plenty of ways that people can find out more about it. And I would just add that anybody who decides or expresses a curiosity in it, they're no way bound. We don't give away our our their email addresses, mm-hmm. and they can you know take themselves off the list very simply anytime they want. Wayne Peterson staying here with the studio. We'll thank uh, Paul Basich on the phone there with us down in Maryland. Paul, thank you so much, and uh, keep up all your great work. Thank you. Great being with you. Bye bye. Coming up next here is our mystery bird contest with assistance uh, from Wayne Peterson uh, in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. Hi, this is Dave from Lancaster, New Hampshire. I've been listening to Talking Birds for the past two years or so. I became an ambassador because I wanted others to understand what a great program this is. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Dave and become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. Tell us what it is and win a couple of pretty sweet prizes here on Talking Birds. And you're eligible if you haven't been a winner here on Talking Birds within the last uh, six months. Here's the all-important phone number. It's 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. We have a Droll Yankees double suet feeder as one of our prizes. Perfect for treating your backyard birds to their favorite suet or fruit. And our other prize is a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. That's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game, and it's pretty fun, and it's also very effective. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a small, buff-colored songbird with a thin bill, a short tail that's often held upright, bold streaks on the back, narrow streaks on the crown, Our bird, which breeds in short grass and marshes from western Canada to the east coast, coast of Delaware and such, feeds mainly on insects and spiders. Tell us what it is and win those prizes or make an incorrect guess and still have a chance to win. That's a feature of our mystery bird contest because if no one gets the correct answer, a drawing will determine our winner. So that's kind of how that goes. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Fourth of July is coming up, Independence Day. Mike has something to say about that in a bird-related kind of way. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. 
Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. The Guide to Walden Pond is the first guidebook to Henry David Thoreau's most defining place, visited by half a million people each year. Many more know it as the fountainhead of America's environmental consciousness. Using this guide, both armchair readers and trail walkers can join Thoreau devotee Robert Thorson on an amble around the pond's shoreline, stopping at 15 special places to explore people, events, and the natural world. Abundantly illustrated with photographs, drawings, and maps, this guide is a must-have for a meaningful, engaging tour of Walden Pond, as well as a souvenir of a visit. The Guide to Walden Pond is available wherever books are sold. Mike O'Connor down there at the legendary Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, uh, apparently does not agree with Benjamin Franklin, who described the bald eagle as a bird of bad moral character. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. You know, I'm a big fan of Benjamin Franklin, but I kind of disagree with him on this. Yeah, in case you just tuned in there, Mike, and didn't hear the whole thing, bad moral character, he was referring to the bird and not to you. Oh, oh, yeah. you know what? I hear that a lot, so I'm glad. I'm glad. And <laughs> hey, hi, Wayne, also. Nice show, by the way. Morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Good to hear you. When are you coming back to the Cape? We miss you. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, no, cool. no commitments here. You'll just have no commitment. That's a, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I was, I was writing a little piece of, uh, about this, and it, you know, the national bird. They they back at the Continental Congress, they needed a national logo, and they kind of hem and hawed, and they had all these committees, and like most committees, nothing got done. But then, part way through. A gentleman, Charles Thomas, took all, everybody's notes. He was the secretary of the Congress, and he put this together, this national symbol, using the bald eagle and holding, uh, you know, uh, arrows and one set of talons and, and one talon and all branch and the other, and it's stuck. And I actually don't think it's a bad idea, regardless of what Benjamin Franklin has to say. It's a really stately <laughs> bird. It's beautiful. It covers the whole continent. And um, it's really a good symbol. And when I went through the list of what else to pick, what else could we pick? Yeah. I know you've said things about the Golden Eagle. Golden Eagle, yeah. Golden Eagle, you like that. But the Golden Eagle's international. It's actually this national bird of other countries. Mm. You know, and you can find it in Russia. You know, yeah. we, we, we're tired of the Russians, aren't we? All right, I'll take it back. <laughs> <laughs> and that seems to be a hot debate. So, you know, we solved this problem back in the 1700s. Meanwhile, up north, our friends in Canada, they've been wrestling with this still going on. Whether to call the gray jay the national bird, but just quickly, Mike, tell us the new news about the gray jay. Well, the gray jay has been fighting to be the national bird of Canada, and they sweeten the pot by that just this month the American Ornithological Society has decided to switch the name from the gray jay to the Canada jay. Wow. That's Very it. exciting. So now we can call it, all Americans can call it Canadian Jay and Miss Say It. Right, right out there with the Canadian geese. <laughs> <laughs> all right, happy fourth, you guys. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. We're pretty short on time, so let's get to our mystery bird contest. I think we have Brian in Peabody, Massachusetts. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. What do you think about our mystery bird? 
I just have a guess. Is yeah. it an eastern flycatcher? Eastern flycatcher. Whoa. I think, is that a new bird that has been invented there, perhaps? I, I, I think it was just yeah. invented oh. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Not what we were looking for this time, but thank you, Brian. All right, great. Thank you. Okay, we have Sky, I think, in Situate, Massachusetts. Am I right there, Tim? Good morning. Hi, how good are you? Good morning, Sky. Mystery bird? Um, I just have a guess. Is mm. this a buff-bellied hummingbird? Buff-bellied hummingbird. Wow. Okay. By the Wayne's expression, I don't think that is uh, what we had in mind either. But thank you, Sky. Thank you. All right, we, we're going to try to get another call for Joanne right down the road in Hanson, Massachusetts. Hi there. Hi, whoa, good morning. Hi, Ray. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Wow. You have oh, more energy I than this mystery bird, and that's quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a marsh wren. A marsh wren. Um, Wayne is saying something about you're half right. Is that yeah. something? Yeah. Oh. I'd, I'd give her partial credit partial for that. Credit. Okay. <laughs> we might have okay. to uh, flip the cards because we are out of time. And I think, uh, Joanne, despite the fact that you were half right, we're going to make you completely right. And so oh you would goodness. be the winner of our mystery bird contest. <laughs> the mystery bird was the sedge wren. The sedge wren. And we are out of time. Uh, Wayne, thank you so much. Thank you again to Paul Basich for being on with us. The Birding Community eBulletin. Just do a Google search for Birding Community eBulletin. You'll find it and find out how to subscribe. We'll also put something up on our Facebook page with a link to it. Wayne, thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure, Ray. Thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee birdsandbeans.com.